New Morning Life family, it's good to be with you on this Sunday morning. I am coming from John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. That's John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. The Bible says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Jesus, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him a second time, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you. And we always come with thanks. Now, Lord, I come to you thanking you for having the opportunity to be able to preach even through the airways and through social media technology at a time in which we have to social distance ourselves. Lord, your word has power no matter what medium we preach it through. Lord, your word has power no matter where, no matter whether we're in physical church or we're having church in our household. Lord, your word still has power. And I pray that right now the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, I pray that you would fill the gap between the pulpit and the pew, that you would fill the gap between the screen and the preacher, and that people would be able to be convicted and understand this word and allow it to truly manifest in their lives. So, Lord, I thank you. I love you. And in your son Jesus' name, I pray, we pray. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I'm coming to you from John's gospel, and we are wrapping up John's gospel. I've been preaching from John's gospel for the past about two Sundays, and this specific text and this specific passage from John reminds me of a song. It reminds me of the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. The song says, and I'm not going to sing it, it says, I have decided to follow Jesus. Though no one with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. It says, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Ironically, a lot of people mistaken this song as a hymn. And this song isn't included in many hymn books because most hymns actually focus on what God does for us. Most hymns focus on the, the grace and salvation of God. But this song focuses on what we can do for God. You see, these words are a reminder of our commitment as Christians and the responsibility of upholding a lifestyle that displays Christ's love. Brothers and sisters, these words are easier sung than done. These words are easier to say than to do. The meaning of these words requires personal sacrifice and challenges us to turn away from a life of sin, a life of comfortability, a life of personal satisfaction, and a life of complacency. The song challenges us to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow God. This is where Christianity becomes a problem for some people because it requires us to sacrifice what we can see for a God we can't see. This is often uncomfortable because God sometimes moves us 
from living comfortably just so that we can walk into our destiny. Maybe you all need some examples. Let me tell you about Moses. You see, Moses would have been comfortable in the palace, but God called him to lead a rebellion. Or maybe you need to hear from David. David would have been fine as a shepherd, but you see, God called him to be king. Maybe you need something from Esther. Esther would have been fine living with her cousin Mordecai, but God called her to be queen. Maybe, maybe it'll, Paul will do it for you. Paul would have been comfortable killing Christians as Saul, but God called him to be an apostle. You see, God doesn't call us to be comfortable. God calls us to be light in the midst of darkness, and that darkness will not overcome us. You see, we're called to be hope in the midst of despair. We're called to be peace during times of unrest. We're called to love when others are hating. You see, when he calls us, if we are obedient, brothers and sisters, there's no turning back. You see, I entitled this sermon, No Turning Back, because what I want us to see in the text is that we find Peter at a place where he's trying to turn back to his old lifestyle. I know what you're wondering. You're probably saying, Pastor, what, what, what are you talking about? You, Peter was just talking to Jesus, and Jesus was asking him, do you love me? I don't, I, don't, I don't see that in the text. Well, let me paint the picture for you. You see, Jesus reveals himself in Scripture, and this time in Scripture, it's the third time he's revealed himself. The first two times we talked about last Sunday and the Sunday before, he reveals himself in the upper room. And he reveals himself in the upper room because the disciples were cowering in fear. They were in the upper room and they were afraid because Jesus had been just been executed by the Roman Empire. And they were thinking, if Jesus has been executed by the Roman Empire, what then will he do to me or they do to me as his followers? So they're up there, they're scared, they're up there hiding away. But Jesus comes in to the locked room. And he says, peace be with you. Ah, but if that's not good enough, you see, Thomas wasn't with the disciples then. So Jesus doesn't get caught up in just that one time of showing up. He shows up a second time. And he shows up a second time because Thomas doubted him the first time. So the second time he shows up, Thomas is there and he says, Thomas, take your hand and put it in my hand. He says, Thomas, take your hand and put it in my side. And he specifically says, don't doubt but believe. But we're here now at the third time. And Jesus is now at the Sea of Galilee. This is before we got into the text that I just read, just to give you a full depiction of what's going on here in the text. Sometimes we need to get the context to understand what's going on in the text. Amen. So what's happening here, Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. And disciples, they don't recognize him or they don't know it's him. And Peter comes up with the idea of let's go fishing. And the ironic part about this is Peter decides to go fishing with the disciples at nighttime. So they go fishing at nighttime, and they're fishing all night, but the text says they don't catch anything. And it's not until the morning that somebody on the shore, this somebody is Jesus, calls out to them and says, have you caught anything? And they say, no, we haven't caught anything. He says, take your net, throw it to the right side of the boat. And you'll catch something that way. So they take their net and they throw it to the right side of the boat. And all the work they had been doing all night long finally paid off 
when they position themselves or position the net on the right side of the boat. That's a sermon in itself. When Jesus shows up and tells you to get on the right side because you're on the wrong side. That's a sermon in itself. That's not this sermon. But, but nonetheless, he tells them to cast their net on the right side. They cast their net on the right side. They haul in more fish than they've ever hauled in. And then the text says specifically the disciple whom Jesus loves realizes it's Jesus. And he says to Simon Peter, he says, that's our Lord. That's our Savior. And, and Simon gets excited. He gets himself together and he makes his way toward the shore because they're not too far off from the shore. And the disciples, they haul in their, their, their prize, the fish, all the fish that they've gathered. And the text says Jesus is not just on the shore waiting for them. Jesus is on the shore cooking them breakfast. Text specifically says he's out there with coals, bread, and fish. And he says, you all come and bring some of that fish you just caught and we'll add it to the fire and I'm going to cook you breakfast. And now here we are in the text. After they eat and breakfast, Jesus, just like he came to see Thomas, now he's come down Peter Street. He's come down Peter Street to spend a little time with Peter because Peter is at a pivotal point in his life. But maybe you're asking, who is Peter? Well, I'm glad you asked. Peter was the first disciple. Peter was one of the first disciples that on that same sea of Galilee, Jesus came to him and said, I will make you a fisher of men. Peter is the leader of the disciples. Peter is the only disciple on that same sea to challenge Jesus and say, if that's you, call me out on the water with you and I'll walk out on the water to you. This is that Peter. This is also that same Peter that cut off the ear of the Roman soldier and Jesus had to restore it back. To him because Peter was so gung-ho and was so ready to fight for his Savior. But this is also the same Peter that denies Jesus three times. But even though he denies Peter, even though he denies Jesus three times, we find out later on in Acts that this same Peter is the same Peter that is the founding father of the Christian church. What many people do not know is this same Peter becomes the first pope of the Roman Catholic Church. Peter goes from Jerusalem all the way to Rome spreading the gospel, but Peter hasn't gotten there yet. Peter hasn't gotten there yet, and it's because Jesus hadn't had that talk with him yet. Peter, Peter is now here in the text at a pivotal point. And Jesus is taking the time to talk to Peter to remind him of his purpose and remind him of his destiny. Jesus is talking to Peter and asks him, do you love me more than these? Any biblical scholar, anybody that's reading the text is thinking, well, pastor, what are these? What is these, these that he's talking about? Well, Sister Callahan, I'm glad you asked. These that they're talking about in the text, these are the fish. These represent Peter as a fisherman. These represent normalcy. When I say normalcy, I'm saying Peter is trying to get back to what he was doing before Jesus showed up. Peter is fishing at nighttime with the disciples trying to figure out how he can get back to the career path he had before he started following Jesus. But what Jesus has shown up to let him know is, Peter, I got plans for you. Peter, there's no turning back once you have an encounter with me. And Peter must choose to either turn back to his old life or move forward in his destiny. 
You might ask, well, what is his destiny? Well, Matthew 16 reminds us that Jesus told Peter that on this rock I will build my church. He told Peter that after he was with the disciples and he said, whom do you say I am? And the disciples said to him, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're one of the prophets. But Jesus said, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm not getting caught up with other folks say I am. Who do you say I am? And Peter said, well, you're the Messiah, the, the, the son of the living God. And, 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 and what Jesus says to him, it wasn't flesh and blood that showed you this. It was only by the Holy Spirit. And then that's when Jesus tells him, he says, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. He lets him know back then, you're going to be the founding father of the church. So I need you to stay focused, Peter. So Jesus charges Peter with being the founder of Christianity. Jesus is eating with Peter. And he's not eating with him just to eat with him. He's eating with Peter because this is a pivotal point in the text. And he's eating with Peter to remind him of his purpose and who he is. You see, Peter is at a pivotal point where he can either go back to being a fisherman or move forward to become the founding father of Christianity. Peter is facing a dilemma of returning back to normalcy or walking in destiny. Although this is Peter's problem. Brothers and sisters, sometimes we find ourselves in this same problem. Sometimes we find ourselves in the midst of a circumstance where we're trying to remain comfortable when God is trying to pull us out of a comfortable situation and move us into our destiny. See, we can find ourselves pacified by what is comfortable because our purpose feels uncomfortable. You see, we like the idea of what we could be. We like the idea of what we could have. We like the idea of all the possibilities, but sometimes we don't like the idea of what it's going to cost us to get there. Some of us are trying to be fishermen while God has called us to be more. Let me tell you about Harriet Tubman. I know it's not Black History Month, but Harriet Tubman faced a lot of black people that had an issue with that. Harriet Tubman isn't quoted for saying much, but one thing that has always uh, been near and dear to me that she said is, I freed hundreds of slaves. However, I could have freed thousands more if they knew they were slaves. And what Harriet Tubman is pointing out is that some people are enslaved not only physically, but mentally. And brothers and sisters, what I want to help you realize is that some of us may not be in physical slavery, but we're in mental slavery to being comfortable. We're in mental bondage to things and people and situationships and all kind of things that are not of God. And what Harriet Tubman did is he, she took the people that were ready not only to be freed physically, but were ready to be freed mentally. And what was interesting about it is when she got people, on the Underground Railroad, if they wanted to turn back, there was no turning back. If those people wanted to turn back, she would have to kill them or let them know, hey, I'm going to have to kill you because you can't go back. Because that means that slave mentality has crept back into your mind even on the way to freedom. So I got to kill you. And brothers and sisters, I want to let you know that if you don't free yourself from the bondage of mental slavery, it'll kill you. 
It'll take you right on out of this world. If you don't free yourself from the bondage of things of this world, the bondage of sins, it'll kill you. If you don't free yourself from constantly turning back to things of the world, it'll kill you. But brothers and sisters, God allowed Harriet to be uncomfortable as a slave so she could get comfortable leading a rebellion. Nonetheless, Jesus is eating with Peter. And he's eating with Peter to remind Peter what he's called him to do. You see, Jesus is basically saying, you can't turn back because I have plans for you. What does that sound like? That sounds like Jeremiah 29, 11. That says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. What does that sound like? That sounds like Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet among the nations. And as we can see in the previous examples, Jesus himself has appointed Peter as the rock of the church. But although he's told him this back in Matthew 16, Peter's still trying to fish. Peter's still trying to return back to normalcy. And brothers and sisters, Peter is trying to fish and God is trying to set him apart for something great. Hold up. Let me bring it home. Brothers and sisters, some of you are trying to fish, but God is trying to set you apart for something great. You see, some of us are running around trying to be with the group, but God is trying to set us apart from the group. Some of us are trying to be employees at businesses, but God has set us apart to start a business. Some of us are worried about being light, but God is trying to make sure and show us his love. Some of us have gotten comfortable or gotten complacent in long-term relationships, not going anywhere, with people not doing anything. But God is trying to set you apart for marriage. Brothers and sisters, you're trying to fish, but God has greater plans for you. No turning back. You see, Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Now, the number three in religion has meaning. It stands for completion. You might want to write this down. It stands for harmony. It stands for new life. I'll repeat that again. It stands for completion. It stands for harmony. It stands for new life. Where have we seen the number three? We see it in the Trinity. The fact that it's three in one, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The completeness of three essence in one body. The number three, we see three times that, 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 that Peter denied Jesus, but in spite of those three times, Jesus has come back to Peter to check with him three times to make sure that he really loved him. You see, we got to ask ourselves, why is it that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me three times? He said, do you love me more than these? And remember, the these are the fish and the returning back to normalcy. But Jesus is really asking, watch this. He's really asking, are you willing to sacrifice comfortability? Are you willing to sacrifice normalcy to follow me? The rabbi Jesus, rabbi means teacher, is teaching us about love. He doesn't directly say this, but sometimes... Uh, or what we see in this text is he's relating love to sacrifice. And what that shows us is love isn't always about feeling good. What Jesus is teaching us 
is love equals sacrifice. He's showing us that because previously in other uh, gospels it says there's no greater love than there's no greater love of a friend than one that would lay down his life for his friends. He also says by one of the greatest commandments, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is big on this love thing. God is big on this love thing. But what he really wants us to get is it's not all about feeling good. And I think that's something we've misconstrued in our current age. That's something we've gotten wrong. We think love is all about feeling good. But love is about sacrifice. I don't have children, but my mother always reminds me as her child of all the sacrifices she's made, the financial sacrifices she's made, the time that she's put into me. All of these are sacrifices And anybody out there, all of you out there with children understand as soon as you have children, it's not about you anymore. It's the sacrifice of your love to making sure that they have a better life than you do and that they'll hopefully see that and try to reciprocate that for their children. Love is about sacrifice, and we show our love for God by sacrificing our will for God's will. Jesus saved Peter and the disciples from a bad cycle. What are you talking about, Pastor Charles? Well, let me tell you, he saved them from a bad cycle because if you realize in the text, they first gone... We talked about this last Sunday from hiding in the upper room. Now it's nighttime and they're sneaking around trying to fish. Look at this. Watch this. That means that they've gone from hiding to sneaking. And so now they're starting to get themselves in a cycle, even though Jesus is, has revealed himself this third time to them. They're getting themselves in this cycle of being driven by fear. And Jesus personally comes and addresses this. He personally comes and lets us know we can't deal with fear because fear distracts us from our purpose. Here we go. Watch this. In verse 3 of this same chapter, in chapter 21 of John, it says they're fishing at night. Now, I, I thought this was strange, and I was talking to Deacon Autry about this because I, I thought that they were only fishing at night because they were hiding. Here we go. Watch this. But Deacon Autry is a fisherman himself. And Deacon Autry told me that sometimes the best time to fish is at nighttime, specifically right before the dawn. And I'm thinking, so you mean to tell me that these disciples are fishing at nighttime because it's the best time to fish? And, and, and I'm like, okay. But in spite of it being the best time for them to fish, they fish all night and still don't get any fish. Here we go. Here's the cycle. What happens when we try to turn from God and go back to the old ways we used to live, we fail. Now, Peter shouldn't have been failing at fishing because he's been fishing not only all his life, he's been fishing on these same seas all his life. Not only that, how is it that Jesus, who is a carpenter, is come to tell Peter, who's a fisherman, how to fish? That's something else. Peter's been fishing his whole life, and now he's had an encounter with Jesus and forgot everything about his past. And Jesus shows up and has to tell him to do what he thought he could do with no problem. 
And not only does he tell him what to do, he's successful at doing it after he listens to Jesus. You see, what this shows us is, is we'll always fail, sneaking around, doing things, trying to do things on the cover of night in the darkness, even if it's supposed to be the best way to do it. But with Jesus, when we have the Lord on our side, when we get back focused, when we get back to doing what we need to do, we'll always have success. You see, brothers and sisters, if you don't commit to Jesus, you'll find yourself in a bad cycle of failure. You see, once you encounter God, you can't turn back to what you used to be. Once you encounter God, you can't turn back to what you used to do. You will always fail. Let me go back to my people. Let me go back to my examples. King David couldn't go back to tending sheep. Moses couldn't go back to living in Egypt in the palace. Queen Esther couldn't go back to living with her cousin Mordecai. If anything, he was happy to get on with her and be living in the palace with her. Paul couldn't go back to being Saul and killing Christians. Otherwise, we wouldn't have half of the New Testament. You see, when Jesus, and we have an encounter with Jesus, there's no turning back. The word tells us when you are in Christ, you are a new creation. And the old passes away. So brothers and sisters, I want to leave you with this. If you're experiencing a lot of failures in your relationship, if you're experiencing a lot of failures in your personal life, with your goals, with your friendship, with your career, you need to ask yourself a question. You need to do a self-evaluation. And you need to ask yourself, am I experiencing these failures because God has asked me to let them go? You need to ask yourself, is these things that I'm trying to get back to, me trying to find a sense of security that's outside of the will of God? we got to ask ourselves that because sometimes we'll fall out, find ourselves falling into these cycles. And whenever you see yourself in a cycle, whether it be relationships, whether it be financially, whether it be with friendships, whether it be with your career, ask yourself, Lord, is this cycle that I'm in? Matter of fact, don't even ask yourself. Ask God. Is this cycle that I'm in, is it because I'm not fully trusting in you and I'm putting more on the world, more on people than I should, and I'm giving them what I should be giving to you? So, brothers and sisters, at this time, if, if, if you are at home and, well, you are at home. Uh, if you're at a place where you're trying to figure out how you can get out of this cycle and what you need to do and where you need to go, I got an answer for you. Real quick, real simple. Turn to Jesus and follow the Savior. This is an over 2,000-year-old book that hasn't lost its power. And the book isn't God, but it points us to God. And it points us to the way to salvation. And if you would like to receive that salvation, if you would like to be in relationship with Jesus, you can comment under this video. You can go to our Facebook page or you can go to the website and you can go to prayer requests and you can type in that you would like to have a relationship with God. You would like to make New Morning Life your church home. Brothers and sisters, I'm Pastor Charles Hamilton. I would like to thank you for watching. And I would like for you also to keep in mind that the world's behind you and the cross is before you. And if you choose that cross, and if you choose to be in relationship with Jesus Christ, there's no turning back.
God bless. I'm Pastor Charles Hamilton, and on behalf of New Morning Life Baptist Church, I want to thank you for tuning in to our online worship. I thank you for being diligent, and I thank you for being patient with us as we explore different and creative ways to bring you the Word of God. And I just want to remind you, there are four ways in which you can give. You can do the text to give at the number displayed at the bottom of the screen. You can also give through Easy Tide, or you can give through Facebook, our New Morning Light Facebook page, or the New Morning Light website. Once again, thank you all so very much for tuning in to our worship experience. And I just want to say God bless you, and I love you, and keep watching for what God is doing during this trying time. Amen.